Blog Talk Radio. Riding through this world all alone. God take your soul. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to a live edition of Way In Sports Talk. I'm your host, Brian Tarvin. We have a lot to discuss tonight, and we're going to try to do so in the next 60 minutes, so buckle in, get ready. Here we go. Sorry we missed Wednesday night. Uh, we had some things pop up last minute. We had to cancel the show, but we are back tonight. And, you know, it's the getting close to the end of May, which means it's getting closer to college and NFL football. I don't know about anybody else, but I'm I'm ready, and it's, it's we're close to be rocking and rolling the whole entire way to football season. It's sneaking up on us, and tonight we're going to have with us Mr. Jonathan Meeklos. How are you doing, sir? Oh, I'm doing fantastic. How are you doing, my man? I'm doing good. I mean, when, when is it football's time for you, really? I know it's 365, but when do you start? You know, getting that feeling, that anxiousness that comes over you when it's when it's football time. When is that for you? Uh, probably when the schedules come out and I start game planning. I start like trying to get my schedule set up for work, um, and weddings and social life right around football season. Yeah, no weddings during football season. Number one, right? Oh well, I mean, if you're gonna have a wedding, it better not be on a Saturday. <laughs> I had a wedding. Believe this or not, my wedding was October sixth, Jonathan. I remember Auburn played Vanderbilt that day, and you know, after that, usually we play somebody not so good. But it's just it's just tough to get married during football season. It causes some anxiety. I'm glad I did it, but you, I don't know if you remember back then. It was I think 2007, I believe six. I better not mess this up. 2007, when Florida and LSU played, remember it was undefeated down in Baton Rouge that night game on Saturday. Oh. That's the night I. That's the day I got married, the, Jonathan. The Jacob Hester game. Yes, and it was a thriller. It was a, it was a great game. I do believe LSU won. Mhm. Twenty-four. And yes, and they, 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 I think they made it to the national championship that year. If I'm, yeah, if I'm not mistaken, I, yep, with two losses, that was that was fun. But tonight, I, I do want to talk about some college football, some just things on my mind, and, and I know you have some things touch on some NFL. But but first, let's jump right into Game One of the Eastern Conference Finals. Jonathan, the Miami Heat, the number two seed, and everybody was, you know, thought Indiana put too much emphasis on getting the number one seed and being at home. How big was it today being in Indiana, a place they haven't played well in the playoffs where they lost both opening games in each round? They came out today and looked like a totally different team. Does the Miami Heat bring the best out of the Indiana Pacers? Oh, yeah. Well, let's be honest. The, the Pacers have essentially built and geared themselves towards beating the Heat. Um and, and the, you know, their whole, me- their whole message, I mean, you heard it yesterday, you heard it all the way leading up to today's game was the Pacers just wanted game seven at home. They wanted that home field. And, they, you know, they got it, and my goodness. And they, Miami never really threatened in this one. 
Yeah, and when I look at teams like, you know, I look at being aggressive. Which team was the most aggressive? And when you look at the stats, Jonathan, I look at I look at rebounds, both defensive and offensive, and I look at free throw line. The most aggressive team really attacks the rim. They go to the free throw line. Indiana shot 37 free throws today compared to 15 from Miami. There's the game right there, Jonathan. If you look at it, Indiana hit 29 to 37. Miami hit 10 to 15. The game was won at the free throw line. Oh yeah, oh I mean you're right, and and as much as Heat fans want to say the refs conspired against them and all that whatnot, not you know it literally was the Pacers just got more aggressive. They went after you know they went in and attacked the glass while the Heat played a little more passive today. You know and I don't know if that's the Heat trying to figure the Pacers out and see where they're at, but you know at the end of the day they're already down a game against a team that they seem to struggle every time they step into that field house. They do, and you know this is. And I've told people, you told people this that you know the Haw- the team that showed up against the Atlanta Hawks that struggled, uh, the team that just struggled against the Wizards. That's not the team you're going to see when they play Miami. And and this Indiana team is just waiting. They were waiting, just waiting and hoping to survive. Now they're playing Miami. You can throw how many games they played out the window or how much rest Miami has. It doesn't matter. These guys, both teams are. are Indiana's a young team. Looking at the rebounds, 38 total rebounds, Jonathan. Seven offensive for Indiana, 29 total rebounds for Miami, four offensive. I mean, everything else looked about the same, but the free throw line. But the fast break points is one thing that 21 points for Miami, six for Indiana. I think that's the only way Miami can win a game in this series, really, or to win the entire series is to, is to push it. Indiana's going to have to do the best they can to slow it down. Yeah, no, you, uh, that, definitely, um, because, you know, it be with Indiana having Roy Hibbert having a true center, essentially, they're not going to be able to push it up and down the floor like Miami, who has somebody like Haslam or Chris Anderson playing center, guys who are really power forward and are a lot more athletic than Hibbert. They're going to have to uh, push it up and down the floor. But, I mean, they really, uh, LeBron and Wade really need to get aggressive, try and get inside, drive the paint. Um, and, and create, you know, and one opportunities. And today it did not seem like they were really out there committing, you know, to, to really pushing it to attacking. They were kind of just sitting back. Uh, and I don't know, this is a Heat team that I thought just did not look like they wanted to play today, e- even after all the lip service they gave us the past couple of days. Yeah, 6 of 23 from downtown. I mean, Miami, when you see them successful, they've, they've hit a lot more than that. It's only 26%. Where you look at Indiana, uh, not too bad, 42%, 8 of 19. And, and I know we're going to see a different Miami team in game two, but Jonathan, could it be that Indiana is just a better matchup against Miami and, and they're going to take a commanding 2-0 lead in this series? And don't be surprised. If Indiana still is one in Miami, this team is built, like you said, they're built to play Miami. And I just I just don't like that Miami team this year. I just don't think they're they're as good as they have been in the years past. They're older, and I think Indiana is hungry, and I, I think it's showing in game one. And it's only one game, but what's the chances of Indiana winning game two and then stealing one in Miami? Well, I think the chances of Indiana winning game two are, are pretty good all things considering, because if you look at the way these teams have battled, it's it's really hard for Miami 
to go into the field house and get one. Now, the chance of Indiana going to Miami with a 2-0 lead and taking game three, ooh, I, I don't know about that. Taking game four, odds are a little better. Um, but, I mean, it, it's going to be tough for Indiana to go to Miami. But, I mean, li- I mean, you look at Indiana. Atlanta was built to beat Indiana. Not so far. Washington's uh, front court, I mean, oh, back court, should definitely have an advantage over Indiana. That's why you saw such mismatches, if you will. Um, now, Miami, where's the edge? They're about even at point guard. They're about even at shooting guard at this point. At small forward, LeBron's best friend in the world, but he's going up against Paul George. You know, and then when you go down low, um, you know, Hebert and West against Anderson and Haslam. Uh, I mean, Anderson and Bosch. So, I think Pacers were built to beat this Heat team. They really were, and I really hope they do, just from the standpoint of I, I like this Pacer team. There's just something about them. They come off as a blue-collar, hard-working team. Now, here's the statistic. Um, when two teams match in the conference finals back-to-back years, whoever lost the first time wins the second time. And a Pacers or the Heat have always been involved in that situation. Yep, and we have a caller from Skype. I believe it's Sonny Clark. You're all way in sports. No, it's not. Hey, guys, it's uh, Elwood calling from Indianapolis, Indiana, home of the Pacers. Oh, Welcome back. Today. How are you? I'm, I'm sure you're oh. very happy today. I went to the game today, had on my blue-collar gold swagger shirt, and <laughs> I got my, got my racers and Pacers uh, t-shirt from the last time, ready to go. We have a game around the 500. Awesome game today. Pacers dominated the whole game. You know, if the Miami was getting a little leeway, it was because Indiana was too far ahead. And you know, but oh, it was great, guys. They dominated. This is why you want a team that's built, not bought. And this is why you want a young team and not an old team. I. Uh, wow. I, huh. I have, I have a question somebody. for you. Yeah, uh, yeah, you're a you're a, you're a big Pacers fan. I'm so glad you called in tonight because a lot of listeners have been wondering. You hear what happened to Indiana against Atlanta? What was going on behind the scenes in the locker room? What's going on in in round two? <sighs> Hopefully, you can tell us that. Well, I think they had a lot of internal problems. You know, um, they were taking each other's girls, using each other's strippers. I mean, Vogel has not been doing what everybody wants. Bird's not been in what everybody wants. The home office is threatening fire, fire, fire. I just think they lost cohesion. But here's the thing, guys. Bad teams don't win. I have two buddies out in Springfield, Illinois, and they've got an AM radio show, and I called them this morning because they, you know, wanted me to. And I was talking to them, and they were like, yeah, but the Pacers are a total train wreck. And I'm like, okay, guys, total train wrecks don't get to this point. They had no answer for me. Um, Pacers have had a lot of internal problems, but the fact they keep winning means they're not that bad. They wouldn't be here if they weren't a good team. And I'm not worried about it. And I think that Vogel and Larry Bird and a few of the guys on the team, that if they don't go all the way, they may be looking for a job. You know, Vogel may need that Dove soap commercial to pay the bills. But I think if they go all the way, it's all wine and roses, as the British say. And um, I think they've got a lot to play for. And, guys, I think they fell apart and had some bumps. But when you got raw talent, you got raw talent. You know, they said Dick Van Dyke would come into the show drunk and crazy and go out there and hit his lines and be as funny as heck because he's talented. 
Same way with the Pacers. There'd be all this internal problems, but they'd get out there and they'd win. And these, this team, I don't care what you say. I remember the first game of the first day of basketball they were talking Heat Pacers. I mean, this is inevitable, and they've prepared for it. So to answer your question, I know it was a little long-winded, but I think they had a lot of internal issues, and it was affecting the team, but they're just that good, and it's not going to matter. And the Heat is an old team going down the roller coaster, and the Pacers are a good team going up the roller coaster. We just need to see where they are towards the middle, who's a little bit better. Because we all know what happens, you know, God bless Peyton Manning, but he's no Andrew Luck now, you know, <laughs> just because he's getting old. So, I don't know, I mean, that's I'm dying to see Luck versus Peyton in Denver because Peyton's another year older. And Luck's another year older. So, you know, I think it's the same way with the Heat. I just think they get a little bit less polished every year, and I think the Pacers get a little bit better every year. And I think the Pacers got a lot more to prove and a lot more going. You know, they're more hungry. You know, I mean, I remember when the Colts played St. Louis, or played uh, the Saints. You know, the Saints just wanted it more. You know, so we'll see. But, guys, I'm excited. I mean, this this May they may do it. I cannot. I would love nothing more to see the Pacers beat the Heat. I can't stand the yeah. Heat. You know, I mean that's like watching the Colts beat the Patriots. I mean that's like Christmas morning on a Saturday or something. I mean, <laughs> you know, I, I dated myself. <laughs> I mean, well, now. I mean, how, but, how do you how do you how do you go about now? You go to Game Two right now. Right. Indiana played great, great in Game One. How, how do you think they're going to prepare for this game? Are they going to go in trying to put a dagger in, or do you think they're going to let Miami sneak back into this series? No, I think they're going to go and let it. I think they're going to go in, and here's why: Pacers play better at home, and I think they want to get in there, get a win, do what they got to do in Indianapolis. Then when they go to Miami, where they don't play as well, it won't matter as much. You know, having two wins under your belt is a lot different than having one win under their belt. So no, I think they're going to go after it in Indy because I think they know they're not a they don't historically play as well off the road. I mean, that's one thing the Colts and the Pacers have in common. These, they just don't do as well away from the, away from home, you know, especially Luck. I've never seen a guy love to play at home that much. He's worse than Peyton. But, um, <laughs> I got you, man. but I appreciate the call. And, and Jonathan, I'm, I'm glad to hear from a Pacers fan tonight. What about you? Oh, yeah. I always, I always love to hear from a Pacer faithful and, you know, Tarvin, I have a question for you about this Pacers-Heat rivalry. Uh, and that's what I'm going to call it at this point because they've met the past. This is the third year in the row they've met in the playoffs. Uh, and it's just there's so much emotion. It's so jam-packed. The games are just so phenomenal. Does this Pacers-Heat rivalry kind of remind you of um, the uh, Lakers-Spurs rivalry of the early 2000s or the Knicks? Nick Pacer rivalry in the uh, the mid to late nineties. Yeah, I mean, I, I could see that, you know. But the thing is, this was, you know, last year was Indiana's first year of kind of they they snuck up on people last year. So this year it's a true mm-hmm. rivalry, and then for the years to come. But it, my, he said it right. He said Miami's getting older, and he's right. LeBron can't do it all by himself. LeBron's gonna even at thirty five. I think LeBron's gonna be okay, Jonathan. You know he's. He's that talented mm-hmm. of a player, but everybody around him in a rivalry is a is a the, the definition to me is a rival is someone that makes you play your best, and and it looks like Miami's a rival to Indiana, you know. But look, oh, yeah. maybe maybe Indiana's not a rival to Miami. 
Well, not be ashamed, but, but you know, if you think if Miami just looks down on everybody like that. Uh, and you're right, though. I mean, I, Miami really brought the best out of Indiana today. You from the standpoint, every Indiana starter had at least 15 points. You know, George had 18 in the second half alone. We really saw the Pacers just come alive and take advantage, and, and just like the college, from start to finish, dominated. I mean, absolutely phenomenal. I don't know about you, but I was pretty excited. I agree. We got a caller right now from the nine one two area code. I think that's Georgia. You're on way in sports. Who's this? Hey Brian, what's up, baby? Is this Omar? You know it, man. What's going on, man? How you doing, buddy? Good to hear from you. Oh, I'm great. Great. Yeah, I told you I yeah, I figured I'd call you tonight, man. You know, I w I wanna talk to Georgia football, man, and as you know we got a pretty good battle going on, man, me and you, man, and uh you know, I want to meet you, man, on November fifteenth, when y'all come between the heads. Well, as long okay. as you agree, as long as you agree to let Auburn win, I'll meet you. Oh, come on now, <laughs> that that ain't, that ain't gonna be no fun, man. No, on the real, listen, I think I, I told an Alabama fan today that y'all better be scared of Auburn for the next couple of years. I think Gus Malzahn is the kind of coach. If he stays, if he stays, he can build Auburn into a Pat Dye type powerhouse. And Alabama will be, be, be uh, scratching their britches for the next 10 years if, if he stays. I really believe that. Well, well, Omar, you say if he stays. Is there – where, where would you expect him to go? Just say he won a championship. Where, where do you expect him to go? Well, I, I felt that the winner of the national championship game last year, either, either Malzahn or Jim Fisher would have been the headliner for the Texas job. And I just think – I think if Malzahn keeps, keeps winning at Auburn, uh, big-time schools will let it come calling. And I don't know if Malzahn is the type of coach to just turn down a big-time job because he's still relatively unknown in America. But I think a big-time job like a Texas, an Oklahoma, mm -hmm. if you will, will put him over that, over that hump. And, uh, but, you know, look, I want him to stay just because I think it will make the SEC that much more competitive, you know? Yeah, well, well, well tell, us, tell us about your uh, your Georgia Bulldogs right now. How did the spring look for Georgia, and how's it looking for this year coming up? Well, we're into the spring game. You know, it was pretty vanilla. You know, Pruitt didn't show a whole lot. Bobo didn't show a whole lot. Uh, it was just line them up and see who's available for a job. I didn't really expect to see them really show a whole lot to South Carolina and Clemson. Uh, but I think uh, – the new sheriff in town. His name is Jeremy Pruitt, and he, you know, he doesn't gonna he doesn't give anybody a pass. Uh, you got to earn a position. Whatever your status was last year means nothing to him, and I and I like that. I think we needed a guy to come in and light a fire in this program. You know. Well, I'm I'm interested to see, and Jonathan's a big Florida State fan. He's with me tonight. He got to see Pruitt uh, on the field last year. Jonathan, how do you think? Pruitt's going to do at Georgia, and why does he leave Florida State? Well, I, I do expect Pruitt to take all the talent that Georgia has, and let's face it, uh, everybody knows that Georgia has a lot of talent when it comes to defense. Uh, no doubt about it. But I, it, 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 there might be a learning curve. There might not be. I don't know. We really didn't have a learning curve uh, over at FSU and at Georgia. You know, I know there's been some players who have been uh, transferring out, been leaving the program, and you know, it's interesting to see how that reacts. But I know why he left Tallahassee. 
Um, and I will say it was for personal reasons, and it wasn't really it wasn't anything to do with job. Had nothing to do with money. Um, you know, we we went out. We told him we would match whatever any other school offered him to be a coordinator. Um, it, it was that it was personal reasons between um, him and his, and his family for the reason why he left for Georgia. And I understand it. And at the same time, he's he's got a demon himself. He's got to fight. And I hope George is the right place for him. Hey, Jonathan. Oh. Jonathan. Listen, man. Uh, speaking of FSU, you know, I'm I'm all for a kid being disciplined, man. But for Jimbo Fisher not to punish Jameis like he, like he should have, it sends a bad message, man. Now, now tell me. You're not going to defend Fisher on this. Well, look, Jimbo has every right to do what Jimbo wants to do. I'm not one to tell him how to do his job. He did. He did provide me the joy of a national championship for the first time in too too long for for somebody like me, to be honest with you. Um, and I understood Jimbo's message. I really did. I under I understood where he was coming from. Um, where you know they're babying him. He's doing community service and all that. But at the same time, and, and you know, you, you know, every school feels the same way. Every fan will feel the same way. It's a starting quarterback who just won a Heisman. You don't want him suspended for the Oklahoma State game. If we were playing Stedded out week one, he'd be suspended. I guarantee it. Johnny Manziel was suspended for the first half of the Rice game because they were playing Rice. Uh, that's just how it is. You know, unfortunately, it's college football. It's a moneymaker. You know, and and that that's just done. That's just the reality of it. But I'm a I'm going to let Jimbo fly because we've been, we haven't had off-the-field issues, if you will. I know James Wilder got arrested. He got arrested because he got, had a bench warrant because he skipped his court hearing for a speeding ticket because he went to class instead. All right, big whoop. Greg Reed couldn't stay out of trouble because Greg Reed was just stupid. He got, he got yes, caught he doing yeah. stupid college things, though. I mean, it wasn't like he was out there really creating bad crimes. Greg was just doing kind of stupid things that just kept built, you know, and when you do about four of those, you finally just got to get kicked out the door. James, on the other hand, just kind of look at him and you shake your head and go, really, son? Come on now. I mean, as a Florida State fan at this point, I'm starting to lose my patience with them. Um, you're starting to remind me of uh, Chris Ricks and Drew Weatherford and all those fools. Um, and I, I hope I hope we're able to write to his ship because I think he has all the potential in the world to lead us to um, a second national championship and to be a very successful NFL player, but he's just got to corral himself. That, that you know. So I'm gonna let Jimbo slide for now. Um, he knows what he's doing. Yeah, I, I just, I just felt because I, I like James. I, like, I personally like James. Uh, I, I always thought he was a good kid, but when you have this this sexual assault case hanging over your head, you can't do anything, anything to let to, to give people any kind of ammunition. You know, and whether it's walking out with crab legs or whether it's urinating in public, you can't give the media, you can't give the, the public any ammunition to come after you. That's all I'm saying. Exactly. No, you're right. You're right. And that was my, that was my whole thing was at the end of the day, it was just like, can you just please stay out of the headlines? Just, just, I, don't, I don't care if the headline is you're doing something wonderful. Just stay out of the headline in general. I don't want to see your name in the paper. I don't want to hear from you on Twitter. All, only thing I want to hear about Jameis Winston and that he's playing good in baseball, and that's it. Or, oh, he came in and he pitched another good inning. That's great. That's all I want to hear. I don't want to hear about your personal life right now. 
And I hate to be like that, but it's just because he opens that door and has to go around it himself. I had to put Omar on mute just for a second. Omar, I don't know if you're driving with your head out the window yelling, go dogs. I don't know what it is, but I'm going to mute you just for a second. Just for one second, I'll bring you back on. So if you could, just make sure um, the connection's good. I, I think it was him because I muted it and went away. But put Jonathan and Omar still on the phone, so don't leave, Omar. Um, I was disappointed in the way and, – and, and I'm not there. I'm not in Tallahassee. I'm not the coach of Winston. So until we actually know we're really what's going on, it's kind of hard to judge. But I want to see this kid succeed in life. And, and if it takes kicking his butt to spin him a game or two, if that's going to work, so be it. Do it. If it's going to be to, to remove him from the school altogether, do it. But I don't think that's the, the case. I just think he needs to grow up. And I, I think maybe the crab legs could be a wake-up mm-hmm. call to realize that, hey, I'm not invincible anymore. But, Omar, how would Coach Mark Rick handle that? You know, and I know, she would have been suspended the first game. <laughs> you, you know that. You know, because cause the standard at Georgia, unfortunately, is, is very different from Alabama, Auburn, LSU, Florida. You know, uh, or things like that. Because Mark Rick has always preached uh, being a class human, human being and, and keep your names out of the headlines. Uh, unfortunately, the Atlanta Journal Constitution don't help because they always report things like that, and other schools mm-hmm. just they, they just keep it under the rug. Man, let's be honest now. Let's be honest. Um, there are things goes on a lot of these colleges you never hear about, but unfortunately, mm-hmm. Georgia does something remotely, remotely stupid or remotely cavalier. It's reported. It's, it's first class news. You know, I remember a couple of years ago there were some there were some idiots in Tennessee who. Dog on there beat a security guard, beat his brains out, uh-huh. and one guy was kicked off the team. He had a, he was on thin ice. The rest of those guys played. Tyler Bray mm-hmm. was throwing throwing beer cans off a balcony, breaking breaking people's windows. No suspensions. You know, let's call it what it is, man. In Georgia, it just seems to get it's blown out of proportion, man. Yep, but Omar, Omar, that's a great point you had about the the media, and and Atlanta's a huge place, and 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 they report everything. Where if you're in a smaller school, I mean, you can cover, you can sweep it under the rug. I mean, Auburn, of course, with the armed robbery, you couldn't really sweep that under the rug. But I'm no, sure a lot good. of schools do sweep it under. The, I'm sure a lot of schools do sweep it under the rug. And I have a question for you, being a Georgia fan, and I know. It just seems like to you that a lot of your players that get kicked off go to other schools and end up sure. uh, right. make, making a big name for themselves. How do you right. how do you feel about those players? Do you pull for them? Do you or do you hate them after they leave? No, I don't. Listen, I don't, I don't hate anybody. I think all these all these kids deserve a second chance. But Georgia has never been known to take a guy who's was kicked off the team because of disciplinary reasons. You know, they may take a transfer here and there. I mean, Jarvis Jones come to mind. But he just transferred because he wanted to be close to home. But, you know, of course, mm-hmm. we're talking about Nick Marshall of Auburn, Zach Mettenberger at uh, LSU. More recently now, Josh Harvey Clemens. You know, mm-hmm. and I think Josh Harvey Clemens and, and now Shaq Wiggins. Shaq Wiggins, he didn't want to work hard. He just wanted a position given to him. And he's going to a place where he's going to get leeway. And, and I think mm-hmm. what, happens to, what happens is other schools, uh, they're going to take the best available guy 
and, and win no matter what it takes, whether he's an axe murderer or, or a rapist or whatever the case may be. <laughs> uh, other schools take these kids. Uh, and, yeah, and that's the problem. And I think if, if, if Nick Marshall doesn't lead you guys almost to a national championship, it wouldn't be a big deal. You know, Nick Marshall was an afterthought at Georgia. He, he played defensive back, got kicked off, and he's in the national spotlight playing his biggest game of his life. So Georgia fans look at that and say, wait a minute, this guy's a thief. This guy was kicked off from stealing uh, items he should have stolen. But did he, but, but did he steal, steal so far? Huh? Did he steal? Well, that's, that's, that's the, the, the alleged uh, plot that he stole and from, from teammates, mm. you know. Oh. And I thought, I thought he should have got a second chance, yeah. I thought he should have got a second chance. I mean, kids are kids in college. They're, they're going to do things. You know, uh, the reason why Zach Mannenberg was kicked off the team, guys, this is why he was kicked off the team. Not because of what he did. It's because he lied to Coach Rick. Remember Bill Clinton said, I did not have sexual relations with that woman. He <laughs> was yep. going to be a piece, but he lied about it. And, and that thing was that man, Mettenberg, he was he lied about what happened. And he would have stayed on the team if he would just come, come forward. Mark Rick wants a guy or a kid to be up front and honest with him. I, I know what happened. Just be honest with me about it. I think that's how you build a character. I want honesty. I want men who make mistakes and stand up for, for for themselves, take responsibility. Zach can do that. I mean, I'm happy that he's going to the NFL and be a, get a chance to be an NFL quarterback. But he could have been at Georgia, made a name for himself, and not gone for the artist. But, you know, it is what it is. I'm, I'm sorry, Omar. I don't think Mettenberger could have, ne- could have ever beaten out Aaron Murray. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, but you know you know what? He, 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 would, he would have had a shot because he's 6'5", 230. That would have, that would have given him a shot. But, again, uh, looking back on it, it worked out for everybody. You know, Zach when LSU had a, had a good one season. And Aaron Murray, you know, he, you know what Aaron Murray did. So, it all worked out. You know, Aaron, Aaron and Zach going to the NFL. So, you know, well, Omar, you man, it's been it's been great hearing from you. Make sure you become yes, a regular sir. on the show and tell some people about it. We appreciate you, buddy. Uh, have a good night. And Jonathan, it's good to hear you know from other fans like that that know Georgia like Omar does to hear what's going on down there. Um, I've heard reports from people not Georgia-related, but Mark Rick has lost control of the program, Jonathan. Um, I, I just don't see that, do you? I, I don't think he's lost control. I mean, it, things change. He's been there a long time. Anytime a coach has been in a program a long, a long time, uh, rumors start to surface about, hey, we need a new coach. Yeah, I, you know, I, I agree with you. I don't think Rick's lost control. I think um, – I honestly believe that, you know, some of his recruits, it's just he's kind of looking the other way at certain things sometimes, or maybe these kids just finally wait to get stupid till they get into college like most of us. Um, you know, but, I mean, Rick's a, Rick's a Bobby Bowden guy. Let, let's let's just be honest. Let's start there. He's a Bowden kid. And this is not somebody who's just going to, you know, let, lose control of a program and let a program go. And he's going to try and keep everybody in line. It's just you know, and there are times where you look at Rick and go, you might have been too nice and had too soft of a heart. Yeah, and Mark Rick, to me, and, and and this is what I don't understand sometimes with, you know, with Georgia fans. I, I never hear them calling for the head of Mark Rick, and, 
you know, Chiswick wins a national championship his second year in. He wins eight the year before that. And then he, he tanks, uh, you know, he goes downhill fast and Auburn gets rid of him. And I just don't understand how schools let coaches stay that long. I mean, Mark Rick recruits good every year. That's a part of it. But at the end of the day, don't you expect championships if you're a Georgia fan? And when's enough enough? Mm-hmm. Because Mark Rick's been there long enough to at least have two or three national championships. Well, I mean, you got a point. I mean, maybe he has gotten stale. You know, there, there's no SEC championship under his belt. There's no national championship under his belt. At this point, you know, Rick's a coach where you go, oh, you're going to win in, in between eight and ten, you know, eight and ten games. You're going to go to um, the Outback, Outback Bowl or the Capital One Bowl or the Gator Bowl every year. And, you know, it, it's going to be fine and dandy. You know, you're, you know, it's, it's going to be nice. You're going to finish top 25 every year, but you kind of go, well, when does enough, when does Mark Rick become Mark Mac Brown? Essentially, when does he hit that? Mm-hmm. Point? Uh, and that that's well, John Johnson, that he, he did win an SEC champ. He did win an SEC championship. He won one. Um, he played in the Sugar Bowl against Hawaii and beat them. So he did win the SEC championship. Okay, that's one though. He won one though. Okay, so they have one. Well, that's the thing though. He has one. You know, and Mark Rick's a good coach. He's been there for a while, and you know, when when have they competed for a national championship? And and I mean, by that, I mean when have they? When have you ever sat there and went, you know, three weeks left in the season and gone, "Ooh, Georgia could actually make a national championship game." You, You just kind of sit there and go, "Well, they have that early season loss, whether it's a." non-conference game against a big-time opponent, whether it's South Carolina, you know, maybe they lose to Florida or LSU. I mean, there's always that one game a year. You just kind of look at them and go, I don't know how you lost, but you lost, and it just blows my mind. I mean, (laughs) let's be honest. A couple years ago, they should have beaten Alabama in the SEC championship game. Let's be be perfectly honest. They should have beaten Alabama. That was – I don't know what happened on that last play of the game. Whatever happened, it should have never happened. They should have clocked that ball and gone for one more play. Um, and, and, you know, they get so close. They really do, and there's so many good players, and they're always sending somebody to the NFL. I, I really just – I don't understand it. I don't. And I want Georgia to see. You know, I, one, of my old, you know one of my teammates in high school just graduated from there was a special teams captain. Um, you know, another one of my teammates plays. He's, he's a backup left tackle. And, you know, so I want them to succeed. I want them to do good. But at the same time, you just look and go, are, are you guys ever going to get over the hump? Yeah, and it will be different, Jonathan, if if Georgia was just recruiting three, some four stars. But they're in the conversation every year for having, you know, one of the top recruiting classes in the country. And, and Georgia is the best state, it seems like, for talent. If you, you look at the players that come out of the state of Georgia – it's unbelievable the talent. My issue is I look at recruiting, do you win your state? If you're a, a powerful program in the SEC, you should win your state, and especially and when you're don't. the only team in that state. Georgia's the only team in Georgia really relevant, and they, they, they let their best players go to Alabama, Auburn, Florida, uh, LSU. I mean, all over the place, people are picking. And I know you can't sign every one of them, but you should sign the best players out of your state to your team. Could you imagine how good Georgia would be if they could win the state of Georgia every season, John? 
Yeah, uh, oh, yeah. I mean, it, it, you would think, you know, Georgia would be able to do that. They have the, the clout to do so. We're, we're Georgia. We're the University of Georgia. You know, Georgia Tech, Georgia who? You know, they should always be able to win their state, and they can't. They, they never seem to. It, it almost seems like they don't even bother visiting, you know, Southwood, like Valdosta and all that. Those kids always wind up at, like, FSU. You know, it just blows my mind how Georgia can't win their own state when it comes to recruiting and, and all the good players that come out of there. And I think that's where you really need to sit down and go, well, who are these kids growing up rooting for? You know, because Georgia's second guy is the NFL. That's, that's not a problem. It, it comes down to, you know, I mean, because if you look at Florida, Florida State, you know, if you look at the state of Florida, kids root for the big three. In Alabama, kids root for one of the big two. In Georgia, they don't all root for Georgia or Georgia Tech, and that becomes a problem. Georgia really needs to extend that, that, that their, you know, their name all over that state and make sure these kids grow up as dog fans. And I think that has become a problem is where they've been losing fans. Yeah, but you'd be surprised at how many people are in the state of Georgia, born in Georgia, that are Auburn fans. I mean, Auburn and Georgia are close, and and I think that could be a problem too. But if you look at the state of Alabama, you're Alabama or Auburn, and Saban and Malzahn are neck and neck, I mean, just recruiting the top talent. You don't see um, the top talent of Alabama usually leaving Alabama. I'll, I'll say that. It's either going to Alabama or they're going to Auburn because at birth they chose – they're they're going to be an Alabama or Auburn fan. So you do see some Alabama fans go to Auburn sometimes. It happens uh, if they get to play and, and they, they get a chance to compete early. But Georgia needs to seal up. Georgia, you need a coach that can recruit. Like if you could you imagine Nick Saban at Georgia? Uh, get, I mean, uh, I mean, I mean, I, I just think he would recruit even better almost. But, but now in, he's in Alabama with Gus Malzahn. He's got to share these players. He's not going to get them all now. But if he was all alone mm-hmm. in Georgia recruiting, man, watch out. I mean, that's what Georgia needs. Georgia needs a big-time recruiter uh, to step into that program, and you would see a national championship rather quick. I'm just being honest with you. But let's mm-hmm. move back to the NBA real quick, and we'll come back to football. I don't want to, you know, get off our NBA track. We talked about Miami, Indiana, Indiana up 1-0. Uh, it's going to be an interesting series. The next series in the West, to me, the winner of this series is going to win the NBA championship, Jonathan. The San Antonio Spurs mm-hmm. at home against OKC. I'm picking OKC in this. Am I crazy? Well, now that, uh, I, you know, Serge Ibaka has been ruled out for the rest of the playoffs, I- I'm going to have to disagree with you. Um, I think San Antonio takes the series. Tim Duncan is going to tear it up. Who's going to stop Duncan and Splitter? Steven Adams and Kendrick Perkins? Come on now. Those are six fouls and get out, game, and get out of the game kind of guys. Duncan's going to light it up. Chicago Splitter is going to have a big series. You're going to see Boris Diaw, of all people, probably uh, uh, be a factor and get double digits in a couple games. You know, and, and Tony Parker always seems to be dinged up. I get that. But at the end of the day, he's still Tony Parker. He still drives into the lane. Who's going to stop him? I, I, you know, and Ibaka was really starting to refine his offensive game, get that that twenty foot jumper going and everything. This is a huge loss for Oklahoma City, who now essentially has to rely on Westbrook, Durant, and Karan Butler, Reggie Jackson to to, to score. I, I I just can't I cannot buy into Oklahoma City coming out of this series now. I'm going to yeah. say Spurs. I'm going to say Spurs and six. 
Yeah, I mean, that's the popular pick right now. But the the way I look at this series, and, and God, I could be wrong. Every time I pick against San Antonio, they sweep somebody almost. So it kind of scares me to to pick against Parker and Duncan and Popovich. But, I mean, look how good Westbrook is and Durant. Those two players alone, there's nobody on the Spurs can touch them. And that team basketball fundamentally sounds – it does work in the regular season. But now being the playoffs, I'm just thinking maybe – Westbrook and Durant can step up their game another notch and actually get other people involved to step up their game. If they if they do not win one of these first two, it's over. Uh, I, I expect them, if they're going to mm-hmm. win this series, to come in and steal one early. They have to, Jonathan, because San Antonio can go to Oklahoma City and get a win, so it's very important that OKC steal game one or two. If they don't, it's over. Oh, yeah, no, you're right. And, and if you just look at the matchups, you got Parker and Westbrook. And Parker's a better point guard. Westbrook's just a better scorer. Um, and then you have, who's their two guard? You know, I mean, that, that's essentially where you look at Oklahoma City and go, who is your two guard? You know, and, and you have Oklahoma. The, the biggest thing that we're going to need to watch, and in every game checked up box score, is going to be bench point. Who's doing better on the bench? San Antonio, their bench, when Parker went out in that last game against Portland, their bench came in and went bonkers. I mean, just blew it up. And they did it the whole season, you know, with Patty Mills and Joseph and all those guys. They just come in and they tear it up. And that's the scary part about the Spurs. And, uh, they can sit Manu down, and they can sit Parker down. You can just sit Duncan down. You throw out Splitter, Dial, Kawhi Leonard, uh, you know, uh, Marco Bellinelli and Patty Mills, and they're just as good. I mean, that's, I mean, not better than Duncan, but they can still put up points going serious runs. And that's the thing about the Spurs you need to look out for. This bench is going to be huge. And Oklahoma City has no bench. Yep, that's, that's important, especially when you're talking about a seven-game series. And do you think the winner's coming out of the West? I, honestly, I do believe the Spurs, you know, if they do beat OKC, they win it all. I think if OKC matches up, you know, gets draws Miami or Indiana, you're going to see a great series. But I don't know who's going to win it. Honestly, don't. But it's going to be fantastic. I mean, Kevin Durant has elevated his game to the next level. There's no doubt about that. He is clearly the MVP. Clearly, I mean, if you look at it statistically, he was the best player in the NBA this year. Statistically speaking, um, he had more points than LeBron. Uh, I think he had. More rebounds, LeBron had more assists, Durant had more blocks, Durant had more steals. I mean, Durant was just unreal this year, and he's really taken his game to the next level. It's just they really need to get more of a team around him. Steven Adams needs to grow a little more. Kendrick Perkins needs to go. He's just taking up a roster spot at this point. You know, but, I mean, that's essentially, I mean, you look at it, OKC's a great team. It's Russell Westbrook is an X factor every night because even in – even in that Clippers series, there were a couple times where you look at Russell and said, you know, Durant was wide open, right, and you just forced a really bad shot. Yeah, Westbrook's not known to play team basketball, and that, that could hurt him against San Antonio because in order to beat San Antonio, you you have to play smart. You have to play unselfish. And if do you trust Westbrook enough to be able to play unselfish four times in order no. to beat San Antonio. <laughs> no. 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 
because I, I, I do believe Ibaka is huge. And, you know, I hate changing my pick because now if it was Durant or Westbrook going out, it would, it would really matter. But I hate changing, you know, what I think because of Ibaka. But he is kind of the player that holds it all together in a way. He's that player that he does stuff that you, you never think of you do, because you're so – you're so looking at Durant and Westbrook for everything. That's all you pay attention to. But Ibaka's huge. He's that body, that presence that could give Duncan some problems, and now you don't have it. So you're, that's a good point. The depth, uh, the bench for San Antonio could come into play. So you're saying San Antonio in six. I'll go ahead and just say OKC in six to be different from you tonight. And uh, I don't know, Durant, <laughs> I just think this is his year. But San Antonio gets seems like they get older and they get better. Where most teams fall off, fall apart, you know, they get injured. San Antonio just keeps coming and coming and coming. So if San Antonio wins this championship, are they going to stay together? Well, I think if San Antonio wins this championship, we might see Duncan retire, we might see Ginobili retire, and we might see Popovich retire. And I think if that happens, I mean, ball game, just just you know, write, start writing the restory. Uh, start writing a story about how San Antonio is now rebuilding. Um, I mean, it's very interesting when, you know, there were talks that if they had beaten Miami last year, which by all rights they should have, but anyways, if they had beaten Miami last year, that Duncan and Pop were going to retire. You know, and I don't know why Ginobili even bothered coming back. He just looked dead in the water um, after, after, you know, that last postseason run where he nearly, you know, he pretty much threw away that series. So I, I don't know how much longer uh, the fountain of youth is going to last in San Antonio. Yeah, well, we'll keep you updated in the NBA game one tomorrow night in the Western Conference. And in case you missed today's game, one in the Eastern Conference, Indiana took care of business one by 11 against Miami. I think it's going to be two great series. And, you know, Jonathan, after the first round, after all said and done, we're we're here today with the four best teams in the NBA playing. I mean, didn't you think somebody would get upset maybe? Well, in all honesty, it, it, it really came down to the only team that you kind of got nervous about was OKC um, because matchup-wise, they did not match up well against Memphis. And if Randolph doesn't get suspended for Game 7 and Connolly's not hurt, I don't know if they actually get out of that series alive. But in the Clippers series, you kind of looked at it and said, maybe they'll lose this one. And the Clippers just melted down when it mattered most. They, they had meltdowns. Chris Paul really needs to find himself a clutch gene um, because he's about as unclutch as you can get. But, I mean, I, I pretty much had San Antonio, Indiana, and Miami penciled in going into the conference finals. And, you know, I, I, my, my pick at the very beginning was San Antonio beat Indiana um, in the NBA finals, and right now that still looks pretty. Well, you, you know, I mean, the, I mean I'm, I'm, one, I'm looking at officiating, and I'm, I'm telling you the officials screwed the Clippers in that game five, I mean, it was so bad that I think the Clippers had a tough time coming back in a game six like that. And then all this, dealing with the uh, the Sterling mess, Jonathan, I mean, a lot of emotion going through that team. You know, they're mentally, physically, emotionally exhausted after after all this happened. How did the Clippers rebound in the off season? What happened with Sterling? And I don't want to talk about this much, but I mean, where are they going to go from here? Well, I think the Clippers, I think Doc Rivers and all the players need to realize that they're still going to have to put up with Sterling. There's no way the NBA is forcing him out right now. 
That's not even possible. This is going to get dragged out in, in, in the court system for a while. Uh, let's 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 just put that. Uh, let me just put that out there. Here's the realist view, folks. I get it. There's a hunky dory. The per, world is perfect view of you know. Oh, he's going to be gone. Yeah, no, he's going to fight this, and he has the money to fight this. All right. So the Clippers well, need to realize that. Well, what if Sterling has to meet with the team, Jonathan? Just say he called them all together, Doc Rivers included, and said, hey, I made a terrible mistake. I didn't mean this stuff. I said it. I was wrong, and I apologize. Is there anything I can do to make this up to you? Because I, I really do love you guys, and, and I don't want you to think bad of me. Is there any way he could come in and make this right with his team? Um, yeah, he can keep signing their checks. I mean, I, that's what I, that's how I find this to be the most ridiculous thing ever. And then J.J. Reddick comes out and goes, Sterling originally didn't want uh, me to become a Clipper because he said I was white and that, you know, white guys can't play basketball very good. I, I don't understand what, what, why there's so many conflicting stories on this. And I know, you want to talk, I know you don't want to talk about this very long, but I, at the same point, it's just like keep sign, if he keeps signing the check, the player's going to be fine. If the players weren't fine with, with anything, they wouldn't have been cashing those playoffs checks. Let's be honest. Okay, they kept accepting the money and moving on from there. So they can act like they're a butthurt all they want, but as long as they keep accepting his, his cash, I don't want to hear another word from them about how offended and hurt they were. If you're offended and hurt, actually make a stand. But they're not. They're not making a stand. Throwing your warm-ups at, at, at midcourt and you know, turning your, your shooting shirts inside out is not making a stand. Okay? Making no. a stand is rejecting those checks. Or not playing, you know? That, that's how you make a stand, and you exactly. know Sterling hasn't hasn't come. I mean, one thing you know, he's had his interview here and there. He said even more stupid things, you know, during these interviews. But one thing he has not done yet, and it, it's really bothered me, is from what I know, Jonathan, he hasn't addressed his team personally, like get them together, and that's the first thing a man with regret would do. And it wouldn't be sitting there whining about it, talking about it to other people. He would actually go to his team and, and at least apologize. When someone apologizes and they're sincere about apologizing, that, that's, when you, that's when forgiveness happens because everybody makes mistakes, Jonathan. I bet if I had a recorder on you every day, I could, I could record a conversation from you to entrap you and make you look stupid. You know that's true. Everybody can say that. Oh, yeah. This guy's 80 years old. He's stupid. He's obviously he has some mental issues, and if he could just come out and make this right, he 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 could have done it a, maybe a couple weeks ago, but he hasn't. And I think that's the problem. But what do you think about free agency with the Clippers, Jonathan? Like, do you think these guys should be able to leave and go sign with someone, or do you think they should have to honor their contract? Honor their contracts. Uh, they they all. Uh, they all, unless you want to buy them out and give your money back on your contract. All right, you signed them. Let's be honest. They all knew what they were getting into when they signed with him. There's been, you know, since 1983, all right, people have known where Sterling stands on, on these issues. And that's just the time he grew up in. Not only that, but, I mean, you have his wife coming out and his wife, who I don't understand that whole spiel. I think she should be banned as well. Um but his wife types up with, you know, well, he has early onset dementia. Well, don't you think he should be removed from control of the team if he has early onset dementia? Pat Summit had early onset Alzheimer's, and she retired. And there were no signs of it. And she got diagnosed and said, I need to retire. 
Don't you think he maybe should have the team uh, removed from his control? The CEO of the Clippers decides to resign. I, I, this is a dumpster fire. This is a whole mess right now, and it's ridiculous, especially when the players come out and say, I don't even want to speak to the man. I don't want to hear from him. And somebody comes out with so much emotion and says, I don't want to talk to you. Are you really going to try and make an effort to reach out to them? Or are you going to sit back and wait for everything to cool down? And that, that, that has become the problem. I think this is one giant mess. I think the players need to grow up because we all know, and there are people who have said it, we're sitting courtside at a Clippers game, and these players are, are, are dropping racial slurs left and right talking to each other. And you go tell me, this man never even said a racial slur. He didn't even drop a racial slur. He didn't have, I mean, uh, uh, you know, so what? He doesn't want magic. He doesn't want his girlfriend hanging around with people like Magic Johnson. Big whoop-dee-doo. So he's jealous. You're going to tell me every man hasn't had a fit of jealousy and said something stupid? Let's be honest that's now. Back, Let's that's be exactly really what I said when this, when this first happened. That's exactly that's exactly what I said. And you're listening to Weigh In Sports Talk Live on blogtalkradio.com. If you'd like to join us, 646-716-5564. We'd love to have you. And, Jonathan, we have a call coming in from the 409 area code. You're on Weigh In Sports. Who's this? So, Tarvino, this is Nathaniel Walters. How's it going, Nathaniel? I'm good. I just uh, got off work. You and I haven't spoken, like, on the phone in probably six months, so I figured the one time in the year that I actually get off work in, in a decent hour, I would, I, would, I would call you up and say hi. Well, hello, and, and thanks for joining us. Uh, I don't know if you were listening. We were talking about Donald Sterling at the Clippers. What's on your mind tonight? Uh, well, I... I can weigh in real quick on Donald Sterling thing. I think it's way over blown. I, I, I am, I am of the opinion that they shouldn't uh, take his team away, and uh, that's that's my opinion. I, I agree with. Uh, rare, rarely do I ever agree with Mark Cuban, but I actually agree with him on this. And if you get an opportunity to read what Kareem Abdul-Jabbar wrote in, uh, I think it was uh, the Time Magazine. I think that you would really, you know, kind of appreciate that as well. The man is very well spoken, and I, I really like what he what he uh, what he said. But I had – I'm actually on the outside looking in of the NBA playoffs because today I've spent actually, well, the entire weekend watching the NCAA uh, women's – well, of course it's women's, but softball tournament. And so I've been engrossed in that these past few days. <laughs> women's softball. Auburn just lost to Minnesota. Nathan, stay right there. Uh, we have another caller on. Just stay right there. Don't move. Uh, you're on way in sports. Who's this? You're uh, away in sports. Yes. Um, you're away in sports. Last chance. How y'all doing tonight? Hey. I'm doing good. Hi, this, is, um, Ramon. this is Ramon calling from Detroit. Hey, Ramon. How are you? I'm doing good. Um, I just want to just say this about the whole Donald Sterling um, situation. I'm a young black guy in Detroit. I'm 39 years old. And I'm in total agreement with the with the whole thing about this being blown out of proportion because, I mean, I heard the Donald Sterling taste, and you act, if you ask him, he was being egged on. You know, we walk around and say, you know, the N-word all day long, but he never even dropped one racial slur. 
And to hear Stephen A. Smith and all these other so-called black, you know, leaders or whatever all up in the uproar over what he said, but we have to remember that his first and his fourth amendment rights were, were broken. And then this woman who was doing these illegal taping, which is also illegal in the, in the state of California. So to me, there was no due process. There was no hearing. Adam Silver, he, he had a knee-jerk reaction. And I agree with the whole thing that these players need to grow up because they, they missed their chance to boycott. To me, that man has a right to speak his mind, and it was a private conversation. And Mark Cuban is right. It's a slippery slope situation. And I think he's going to be the only owner who's going to say something and not vote with the rest of them, with the rest of the, um, the, um, the team owners. Because to me, he should, not, he should not have to sell his team, nor should have to um, pay the fine. The man had a private conversation, and that's like cutting your nose to, to spite your face. That's just my opinion, and I'm a young black guy, but I think this whole thing is stupid. They need to let it go because, like, he's 80 years old. You're trying to tell me there ain't no racist white guys walking around here? There's a bunch of racist black guys. It's just stupid. They need to grow up. You know, they're going to boycott games. Man, get over yourself. I'm just being real. First-time listener, I'm loving the show, y'all. Hey, thank you very much for the call. Join us anytime. We appreciate that. Nathan, I mean, he brought up some great points. This is a a black guy from Detroit that's saying, hey, no racial slurs were used. And where I'm, I'm in total disagreement with what Sterling did, if he really feels that way, I still think, Nathan, a lot of this was brought on by jealousy and just him being stupid. Some people are just stupid. I don't care if you have a billion dollars, Nathan. You could still be stupid. No, I, I agree with that completely. And first of all, I'd like to say, if he's a young black man at 39, then I'm incredibly young at 30, and I'm, I'm happy my youth is going to be here until I'm 39. Um, but I, I, I agree. He, he should not have said what he said. I, I'll give you that. Um, you know, whether being taped or not, obviously you, you don't want to, especially in his position, say, you know, moronic things like that. And, you know, and, and, you know, he, he, made, he brought up a good point that he never actually said any necessary racial slurs. And I, I agree that it was jealousy. And, you know, as well as I do, Brian, that, uh, when, when things get a little bit heated with our, with our lady friends, we, we tend to say things that maybe we, 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 we probably shouldn't and probably wouldn't ever say, you know, otherwise. Mm-hmm. When, we get, when emotions get in the way, we do say things we shouldn't say. And I do think this was a big PR move by Adam Silver. I really do think that. I think he was trying to make a splash. Um, I think that, that it, was, it, was, it was an incredibly uh, rash decision to make. And it was made far too quickly as well. We, 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 think, we think too much that, that the Penn State thing that went down um, was, was dragged out for far too long, you know, and then we, and then we, we, we say this one right here, I think that we would, this one was far too quick. And I would agree with both instances there and in that due process was giving really to maybe a little bit too much into Penn State and not enough right here to, Don, to uh, Mr. Sterling. And, and you know, I, I agree. If he doesn't want to pay the fine, I don't think he should have to. I, I think that maybe he needs to go to some uh, – you know, some, some, some courses somewhere, you know, maybe he needs to go and, uh, you know, do some inner city work or something. But, you know, I don't think that make, taking his team away, I think that's the most, that, that's probably the worst thing that they could possibly try and, and levy upon him, besides obviously the, the ridiculous fine. The girlfriend's half black. I, I mean, really, if he felt that way, would he be dating her? Let's be honest, guys. She's half black. If he really felt that way, would he have a team? That, would he have, or a basketball team, nonetheless? 
Come on. I mean, this has gotten to be absolutely ridiculous. I don't care what the man said. That's what he feels. That's what he felt at the time. Not only that, but um, well, she videotaped him because, oh, I don't know, the family sues her for, what, $1.5 for embezzlement? Isn't this yeah. technically blackmail at this point? Come on now. Leave the man he alone. Hates, he hates Let Magic him be. Johnson. He hates Magic Johnson, and he was he was jealous. That's <laughs> That's fine. If he hates Magic Johnson, let him hate Magic Johnson. You know? That's, hey, there are some people I don't like, you know, and I'm not going to speak well of them. I don't like Alex Rodriguez. I'm not going to speak well of the man. I mean, let, let, let's, just, let's, let's just call it how it is. You know, leave the man alone. Let him do his thing. If he honestly didn't like black people, would he employ them? That's my thing. Elgin Baylor tried to sue him for racial discrimination. Well, Elgin... If he didn't like you in the first place, would he have hired you? I, I'm not saying, but I'm saying. And a head coach that that's black. You know, you know, in the NBA, you know, that's that's big. Doc Rivers is a great coach, but guys, Nathan said it perfect. And I said this when it first happened, when the story broke it, we broke it early that Saturday morning, that it sounded like to me after I listened to the tape that he was jealous, he was insecure. He's 80 years old trying to compete with Magic Johnson or some younger guys. Of course he's going to be insecure. When you're in a heated argument with somebody, there's nobody that can antagonize you more or piss you off more than than your better half. You know, there's somebody that you're dating that it, it just makes you insane sometimes and you say some stupid things. But I want to thank the caller from Detroit. Uh, that was an amazing call, and we appreciate you weighing in. Please tell everybody about the show. If you'd like to call in, 646-716-5564. We're going to slide on to college football right now just for a few minutes before we go. Nathan, you can stay with us if you'd like to. I know you're a big Cornhusker fan, but I want to give my top fives preseason just right now, just looking at it, who I think is going to be top five. And I'm going to go ahead and tell you there's some big names in here. There's no, there's no surprises. I think Florida State should have the number one ranking after what they did, went undefeated. They returned almost their entire offensive line. They have Jameis Winston coming back. I'm going to have them one. And I'm going to put Auburn two right now with Nick Marshall coming back and most of that entire team. I'm not big on Oklahoma like y'all may be, but I'm going to put Oregon in number three. I'm going to put Ohio State at number four. And at number five, that's a tough one. I'm going to say Alabama right now, Nathan. Who do you like right now in your preseason top five? You know, I, I agree with you for the most part right there. I think you and I might be a little bit switched around on Oklahoma and Auburn. Um, I think that, uh, well, obviously Florida State coming in. Florida State has, has a, an, an amazing uh, football program and a football team there. I think they're going to have to, you know, rebuild a little bit there on their interior defensive line. But, I mean, we, we kind of thought that was going to be an issue coming in this year, and obviously it wasn't. Um, so, yeah, obviously Florida State, I think they'll be fairly well unanimous, number one. Uh, I, I'm going to take Oklahoma there at, at number two, and yeah, I, I if you if you follow anything that I've written lately or anything like that, I'm, I'm I am high on Oklahoma. I like what they return. I really like you know you kind of saw what they were able to do once their team fully got rolling against uh, you know a pretty good Alabama team, and and I and I understand people say about you know Alabama they didn't want to be there and all that stuff, but no, it was still Alabama Oklahoma, and you still want to win that game just because it is. Yeah. Um, uh, right back there, I am going to. 
I'm going to, you know, drop back just a little bit there. I'm going to put, you know, Auburn at number three. I do – I'm like you. I'm, I'm fairly high on, on, you know, on the Tigers there. I, I may be higher than I was earlier this year. Um, I, you know, you, you, you knew, you know, when I was speaking about Auburn last season and how they were, they were incredibly lucky to be where they were and the positions they were put in, especially against, you know, teams Georgia and, and, and Alabama and those, those circumstances. They were incredibly lucky. But they turned that into, you know, incredible performances against Missouri and then against, uh, you know, against Florida State, ultimately losing to Florida State, but then, you know, pulling it, you know, and, and looking very, very good there. And they just have a lot returning. You're right, just so many starters coming back on that team. Um, you know, I'm gonna, I, I got to put Alabama up there. I know they have an incoming quarterback that's, you know, the system's going to be a little bit odd for them, but I'm going to stick Alabama in there. Uh, I really think that you can never count out the Crimson Tide no matter what you do, no matter what, you know, week it is, anything like that. Um, especially with, when I look at the, the SEC West this year, um, I don't have a lot of faith at all in Texas A&M. I, I have little to no faith in most other teams besides, you know, um, you know, Alabama and Auburn coming out of there. I don't have, I'm not really high on LSU either. Um, then I look at, and I see, I don't, I'm not big on the teams in the Big Ten this year. Uh, and people are people kind of get all about that, but yeah, you can't leave Oregon out of the top five either. So you, you kind of got your, um, you and I, you, you and I have fairly close, you know, top fives. So I have, uh, you know, Florida State, Oklahoma, Auburn, Alabama, and uh, and Oregon in my top five. It's really close to yours. I just, I kind of, we, we we just kind of mix the numbers up just a little bit. Okay, Jonathan. Well, of course, I got to put my undefeated national champion, Florida State Seminoles, are number one. No doubt about it. Um, you know, there's just no way I, I, I can possibly not make them number one. Number two, I would have the Auburn Tigers. Great football team. Got a, got a, they got a lot coming back. Um, you know, I'm, I'm like, you know, I'm, you know, I know we talked about it earlier, Brian, but, you know, I'm still, I'm still interested to see how that schedule plays out for them. Um, and then number three, I got to go to Oklahoma. Definitely, I gotta go look over there. They got a lot returning. I'm high on that football team. I think that's gonna be a good football team. You know, it all rests in the hands of Trevor Knight. Uh, how much he really has grown in the off season. Now at number four, and you know, I don't really like this team, but every year they they're in the discussion. I gotta put Oregon. I do. I, I think you know maybe this is Oregon's year. Maybe I don't know. They're probably gonna lose to UCLA or somebody like that and just completely you know mess everything up. But and then at number five, I'm going to actually put the Ohio State University. As much as I don't like that program, they def- they seem to be um, the far superior team in the, in the Big Ten. It'll be interesting to see uh, if they do wind up, you know, wind up winning it all and how, how all that goes down. You know, their schedule is going to be a little tougher this year. But, you know, it, Alabama, of course, I mean, I, I'm going to have to put them right there at number six. And, and my, my thing with Alabama is that they lost some offensive linemen. You know, they lost they lost some defensive players, let's be honest. And at quarterback, I mean, I like Jacob Coker, don't get me wrong. But he is still unknown to the Alabama system, and Blake Sims did not show me a lot in that screen game. So it's, it's definitely going to be interesting to see how that all shakes out for Bama. But, you know, it's really hard, you know, to go against uh, any of the teams that we, we mentioned because we all know they're going to be good teams. It's just – who's going to be there for that Final Four dance. There's going to be one team that we're not thinking about, and it happens every year that shows up in that Final Four dance. Last year it was Auburn. Before that it was Notre Dame. There's always that one team that shocked me. 
Yeah, it is. And, hey, guys, we have Cuervo with us. He's a big college football fan. We'll get your top five, Cuervo. Welcome to the show. Good evening. Who do you have in your top five preseason? What's going on, Carvin? Um, oh, boy, top five for college football. Um, you know what? I, I mean, honestly, from what I've seen, it's it's going to be – you know the usual suspects. I mean, I, I don't really think there's a there's a team that really surprises anybody. I know uh, Alabama is going to be there. Um, Auburn is a team I think that's going to that's a top five in the preseason. Florida State, you know the the national champions. I think they're obviously going to be there as well. I'm going to put, and, and I know a lot of people debate it, but just because of the talent that that Oregon brings in every year. I, I think Oregon is a top-five team going into the preseason. I know they're losing a lot, but they still have Mariota. And my my last top-five team, I would probably have to say, would be Ohio State. I know a lot of people don't agree with that, but, you, you know, again, who's really competing with Ohio State in the Big Ten? So those those, those are the five teams that I'm looking for going into the preseason. All right. Well, Jason Humphrey is, is with us as well, big Oregon Ducks fans. Jason, welcome to the show. <laughs> Who are your top five preseason? Hey, Brian, how are you guys doing today? Very good, Jason. Thanks for joining us. So I got um, Florida State, Auburn, the last two um, the BCS title game players, um, number three in my Ducks. I think if Marcus Mariota stays healthy, Oregon has a very good chance. And when healthy, Marcus Mariota is the best quarterback in the country. And <laughs> at number four, Oklahoma. And either Michigan State or Ohio State is my five. So, okay. Well, that's, a, that's a good top five. That's a good top five. Jason, stay here with us right quick, and I'm going to flip over our last topic real quick for the next five minutes. I need your opinion. What do you think about the pitcher, Nathan? Uh, Derrick Henry, running back of Alabama, showing a new car, uh, a very expensive car, and then Pat White comes out. The old West Virginia quarterback said Bama offered him a Corvette to play there. What are your thoughts on this story? You know, being uh, being from, you know, Big Ten country and everything, you know, we've always kind of thought this was the case anyways for the SEC. Um, <laughs> You're probably right. Obviously, I, mean, um, I, I think that it probably is brushed underneath the rug in a lot of places. I think it's pretty obvious in this case, though. I don't, I don't think how – I don't, I don't see how the NCAA compliance cannot go, let's go take a look. There's got to be that there. It, it, there's nothing – I mean, you look at what's going on. Pat White obviously is – he's not he, – he doesn't care about Alabama football. What he's saying is, you know, I, I'm, I'm happy I didn't take the Corvette. You know, and, and I imagine they probably offered – they probably offered it to him. Does this go back to the Cam Newton thing? No, not, not exactly, but I think it's in the same ballpark. Well, Nathan, you, you gotta, if you're going to cheat, you've got to be smart like Auburn did, and you funneled the 180000 to his brother – that's in the NFL already. That's how you do it. That's what happens uh, for anybody that doesn't know. I mean, it's, I mean, it doesn't matter what happens now. They can't do anything about it. It's past the time. But that's how you do it. You're smart about it. You don't put pictures on, on yourself with a new car on Twitter 
or you don't put a picture on Twitter where you holding thousands of dollars in your hand, Cuervo. It's that simple. Yeah, exactly, man. I mean, you know, they, these guys don't know how to how to you know hide that stuff. I mean, you just you just can't. Ah, oh, well, I I don't know how to explain it. You know, it's 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 like it's like going incognito as they call it, and and, and these guys got to learn how to do it, man. If 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 I was in college, if I was a big time football player. And I was offered all the, you know, types of money and things like that. I don't want my business out there. I don't want people to know about it because then you're gonna have, you're gonna get so much attention brought on yourself. Like, I, I just wouldn't want that on myself. And and maybe some guys like the attention and things like that. But man, I mean, to me, you just have to keep that stuff to yourself. I mean, I'm not saying don't accept it because when you're 18. And, you know, somebody comes to you and says, hey, man, I'll, I'll hook you up with a brand new car of your choice to come play. You know, tell me how many 18-year-olds are yeah. going to turn that down. Let, let, let's, let, I mean, we gotta, you got to be real about it. I would. Jonathan, what are your thoughts on this picture right here? And the, and the reason it came out, like the, the big deal, they looked at the kid's income for his parents is around $40,000. And that car with the rims and everything has got to be up for between thirty and forty at least. So I don't know. I don't know what would. What do you think about this story? I think Derrick Henry's an idiot for posting this picture. I think he's an absolute moron. I mean that that's just come on, kid. That's just dumb. All right, Trent Richardson and Julio Jones got Escalade and got to ride around and, and, and were riding around Escalades with rims on them. You know what? Somebody actually had to hunt them down and follow them to get pictures of that. They weren't posting them all over the place. Come on, Derek. Be smarter than that. I mean, really, boy? Come on. Golly. You cannot be more. I mean, that's that's just plain ignorance at the end of the day, thinking that he can do he can post that picture and all that, and nobody's going to sit there and cock their heads to the side and go, really? Where would you get that money? <laughs> I, my family did it. Really? Your family got that for you? What, what did they do? They all pool together and put the money aside? They all put out, <laughs> you making car payments? I know you didn't pay back in cash. Them rims are like three grand, son. Come on. Well, Jason Humphrey is a big Ducks fan. Jason, do you think SEC teams cheat a lot? Because I, I think all teams, major teams, give a little bit to some of these stud recruits. But what do you think about this story, Jason? I think, I think one of the... I'm with everybody else. The kid doesn't have a lot of sense about posting the picture on um, Instagram or wherever you post it. Um, I'm I'm with everybody else. I, I think everybody cheats. Um, Olin was in the news a couple of years back about some recruiting. So I I think everyone cheats. Everyone gets stuff. It's just leaking information to how people get caught. Yeah. yeah, I love Nick Saban's comments, though, that reporter asked him, and he said, I didn't even know about that, and he told him to kiss his ass. So that, that was pretty funny that, 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 that Nick Saban owns a car dealership, too, guys, just so everybody knows. Oh, I bet you're loving this, oh, aren't yeah. you, Brian? You're loving this. You're loving Alabama getting a little bit of scrutiny, aren't you? 
just a little. Not just a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll be honest. I'm not going to lie and be a fake, but you know, I don't want to see Alabama get killed or anything. But it is fun to watch some of the fans squirm and, and act like it's not a big deal, you know. Because, but but the, but the thing is, Emmer, the president of the NCAA, is very good friends with Nick Saban, and he worked yeah. with him at LSU. So until Emmer's gone, guys, Alabama will not be looked at. But I'm still waiting for DJ Fluker. The, the findings that come out on that, they haven't ruled on anything with that. I think they are looking into this. And you still have the T-Town menswear. I don't know if you are familiar with that, where all the Alabama players mm-hmm. receive the free suits. And I'm not talking about, you know, I've been working in the financial world for years and years, and I don't have a three dollars $4,000 suit. I, I can't afford that right now. But these kids that are in college, the, you know, the mom working at Kentucky Fried Chicken or something, walking around in $5,000 suits. <laughs> that, 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 that's what bothers me, and, and everybody looks at it like, oh, it's, it's not a big deal. The kids just like to dress nice. Yeah, I like to dress nice, too, and trust me, if I could have a $5,000 suit, I'd be wearing it every day to work. Hell, I'm sleeping that $5,000 suit, but the fact is these are kids <laughs> with no income. They can't work. They, they, I mean, they're on scholarship. Their parents don't make money. Where are they getting this stuff, Nathan? Well, it's obviously, you know, coming down from boosters and things like that. But I would actually flip the question around there, Brian, and I would say, you know, because I'm not a huge proponent of of the stipend. You know, a lot of people say, well, if we had a stipend, stupid stuff like this wouldn't happen. And you want to bring up Jameis Winston. Obviously, that's just hilarious and things. But um, would a stipend given to students, given to student athletes, change this? And the, the obvious answer is no. no. It's the it's the no. no. It wouldn't. I don't. I don't agree with the stipend. But it's it's uh-huh. uh, it's it's the type of students, the type of students. Yeah, students. The type of athletes that they're recruiting. They're not student athletes. They're athletes. You look at the APR scores, and you can tell who's recruiting athletes and who's recruiting student athletes. And it's the type of people they're going after with no with with, with no second thought about it are we are we really coming down to it's a win at all cost type of thing and everything else be damned you know no it's it, we can't let that happen and it's it's you know it we don't need to give them stipends people need to recruit the right types of kids and if if, if you're going to be a booster and give somebody money at least give it to the offensive linemen because they're the ones who are going to be in the NFL for 3,000 years, and they're the smart ones who aren't going to post pictures of themselves all over everywhere else, and they're on Snapchat and Twitter and Instagram and everywhere else. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, I, but I think the problem with stipends is, is, you know, the kids are going to feel like, well, I got, I have $500 this month, and I'm I'm scoring touchdowns and bringing in money and, and you know, putting up the stats, and this backup kicker here is making the same amount of money I am. So I think you run into a, an issue. People want money, and they get lots of it. This doesn't happen at just Alabama. It doesn't just happen at Auburn or Florida, Florida State. It happens everywhere. If you want to win, what separates you from the other teams? I mean, kids don't care about tradition anymore. They want to play. They want to get paid. And, and that's the bottom line. And if the smarter, smarter kids, the smarter teams usually do not get caught, and they get out of it. They have good legal departments and everything. But real quick, guys, we're going to have to run. Uh, I am alone tonight, so uh, I'm having to do a lot of things while I'm doing the show. But I want to thank everyone for joining us. Cuervo, Nathan, Jason, Jonathan, appreciate you coming. We'll be back on Wednesday night at 8.30 p.m. Eastern. So let's continue this conversation then, guys. Hope you all can come back and call in and Football season's getting close, so we're going to be 
we're going to be on fire before long with a lot of calls and a lot of college football talk. So, guys, take care. Have a great week, and we'll see you Wednesday. Go Big Red. Go Blackhawks. Chelsea Ducks.